0: Yo, what up, everybody? Greatest show on dirt. Killing it live from the Sweet Bee Studios. This is Quentin, AKA Q-Dog, AKA Pop-Dart King of the South, AKA I got no other life other than to watch baseball. What's up? It's because it's October 14th. This is October baseball. We're ready to get after it, hands down, hardcore. Listen right now, man, this October 14th is the anniversary 16 years ago. A young man with a blue Cubs hat and some headphones on in a black crew neck sweatshirt, reached over and interfered with a foul ball that Moise Salu, the man with the good hands, the man that urinates on his hands, just so his hands are extra good, couldn't catch a foul ball. Or so they say. Moise Salu said he would have caught the foul ball, but 16 years ago today, the Steve Bartman game happened, bro. And there's a foul ball going down the left corner. Poor Steve Bartman gets all the blame. But there were, like, four or five other people in the mix. It wasn't only my man Bartman's hands or Moise Zalu urinating hands, which, if you're unfamiliar with that, did you ever notice that Moise Zalu didn't wear batting gloves? Not one day in his life did he wear batting gloves. Instead of using the modern-day technology of Rawlings, Franklin, or Mizuno batting gloves, he used the technology of urine. He pissed on his hands to toughen them up and to callous them up. Say he didn't need batting gloves because he peed on his hands. So, if you get bit by a jellyfish or... Just need to grip something tight. And just pee on your hands. Give it a good, uh, shh, you know. I've been peeing on my hands by accident for years. And, yo, I don't have any calluses on my hand, yo. I, my hands look like the biggest wimp in the world. And I always pee on my hands. Sorry. Is that too much information? Probably is. But listen, man. I am. Um, oh, Boy, I remember that night. That fateful night of the Steve Bartman game. I was in my living room. So it's game six of the 03 NLCS, right? So in 2003, I was 20 years old, but, you know, I was still pounding beers, but this night I was not pounding beers, I was watching a game with my dad, and I remember when that happened, right, in the, uh, it was one out, and I think maybe a runner was on first, and I could be wrong on that, right, this isn't a professional podcast, I just hit play and go, <laughs> and... The, the catch happened, man. And say Lou he throws a fit, bro. He throws a fit just like you took a cupcake away from a fat kid. He was mad. He was like, I don't pee on my hands for this crap. I'm trying to catch a ball. And that was it, man. He was extremely frustrated. Mark Pryor was frustrated. Um This was the eighth inning, right? And Dusty Baker sent Mark Pryor out in the eighth inning, who at this point had probably thrown like 180 pitches, but Dusty Baker didn't care. I want to say like the whole 2003 season, Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor averaged like 130 pitches a start, and Mark Pryor was out of the league two years later, and then Kerry Wood had to go basically just pitch in the bullpen because his arm was completely shot, but legendary pitchers on that team nonetheless, man. Oh, three 3 Cubs, they was a good team, dude, but the whole thing fell apart after that, man. They had a shortstop, which I think their shortstop's name was Alex Gonzalez, if I'm not mistaken. I could look it up. Uh, The shortstop bobbled the ball, man. Mark Pryor gave up a bunch of hits. The Marlins scored eight runs that inning. Ended up winning game six, winning game seven, going to the World Series, and we got to suffer. So for 16 years... We, um, I mean, do I still suffer over the Steve Bartman game? I don't know, but the Cubs won in 2016, so that was three years ago. So for 13 years straight, we were suffering from the Steve Bartman game, wondering if the Cubs were ever going to win World Series, win a World Series, or if they were just forever cursed. Now, for 13 years, on that 13 year span, one of the main questions I have is who had a harder go at life for 13 years? Steve Bartman being completely tortured by the city of Chicago, or me and my liver as I pursued one of the highest levels of alcoholism known to mankind just to simply watch Cubs baseball. To answer your question, I think they both suffered pretty pretty good. I think Steve Bartman's still in hiding, and I take milk thistle for my liver on a daily basis. So, well, hey, we're both in trouble, guys, but that's the nature of being a Cubs fan. What are you going to do, you know? Being a Cubs fan is like smoking cigarettes you know it looks cool but it's gonna kill you in the end (laughs) yeah buddy yeah buddy but speaking of another curse dude the I said I coined the term man the curse of Marquise Grissom I coined the term for the Washington Nationals because I thought they might be cursed and I said well if the Nationals are cursed it's because they're cursed because of Marquise Grissom because when the Expos it was the strike in nineteen ninety four and the Expos traded away a bunch of players and one of those players they traded away was Marquise Grissom. After the nineteen ninety four strike season, Marquise Grissom made three World Series appearances in a row with the Braves and the Indians and the Indians. That's how that went. He well, let me think about this. In nineteen ninety five, the in the oh in nineteen ninety five maybe the Braves went to the World Series. And then in 96 and 97, the Indians went something like that. However it plays out, Marquise Grissom made three World Series appearances in a row, bro. If you want someone professional, go listen to like a Fangraphs podcast. I'm not your guy, man. But I know Marquise Grissom went to three World Series appearances in a row. Did I say Super Bowls? Oh, God. (laughs) I think I said World Series the whole time. If I said Super Bowls, just laugh at me, man. It's intense. But right now, the Washington Nationals are up 6 to nothing in Game 3 of the National League Championship Series. The curse of Marquise Grissom looks well on its way to being over, but I'll tell you what, if you're a Cardinals fan, hold on to that curse of Marquise Grissom because I assumed that the Expos slash Nationals would never go to a World Series again because they traded Marquise Grissom, and Marquise Grissom went on to go to three World Series appearances, and therefore he exhausted all of the World Series appearances that the National slash Expos could ever have. And because of that reason, it was the curse of Marquis Grissom. To answer your question, I'm about to tell you right now. When Marquise Grissom went to the World Series, he went to the World Series in 1995 with Atlanta. Oh, went to the World Series in 1996 with Atlanta, and they won one of those. The Atlanta won the World Series in '95, I think. Yep, yep, they won the World Series in '95, and then they beat Cleveland, right? And then in '96, they lost to the Yankees. And then in 97, he went to the World Series with Cleveland, and then they lost to Florida. And then in 1997, the Marlins won, and then in 03, they won the World Series. It's crazy, right? But the, whoa, boy, this, like, I know, like, I, well, I know what I picked, right? I know I picked the Nationals to beat the Cardinals, but I didn't expect them. The series isn't over, man. Right, teams have come back from three to nothing, and really, it's just a six nothing lead. I don't trust the Cardinals to ever lose a postseason series until it's actually said and done. I don't know if you remember, but two thousand eleven World Series MVP David Freeze just retired. well, like three days ago? And that guy was down to his last strike, and the the Rangers, and this was a Game Six. The Rangers, Texas Rangers, were literally one strike away from winning the World Series. David Freeze. Oh, when he he hit a triple in the ninth inning to tie the game, okay, and I think, oh, shoot, I think it was a one-two count, if I'm not mistaken, because he hit the walk-off home run in the 11th to force the game seven, and that was a three-two count. I think the ninth inning triple was a one-two count. I know Pujols was on base. I'm not too sure who else, and the Rangers were literally one strike away. Throw one strike. Get this guy out. You win the World Series. David Freese hits a triple, bro, right? So that's just what the Cardinals do. And I think that's part of really what makes this Washington Nationals deal so impressive. So tonight, man, they've got the Jack Flaherty. Flaherty pitched, I think, four innings and gave up four earned runs. Jack Flaherty looked on at the beginning of this thing, but the Nationals, their offense was just pounding away. They were taking pitches when they had to. They were working counts. They were getting hits. The four runs they scored off Jack Flaherty were all in one inning, and they were all with two outs. So this was super impressive. So I think what you're looking at right now, you've got a Washington Nationals team that's really clicking offensively. And there was a a part at the end of the season where they were really doing a lot of damage with Trey Turner and Adam Eaton batting number one and two in that lineup. Because those are both guys that can play small ball. They work with speed and they can get things done. And there was a play tonight where Adam Eaton scored from first to home on a Marcelo Zuna play where he couldn't catch the ball. And there's a lot of smart base running at the top of this lineup. And then when you get Anthony Rendon, who I think should absolutely, without a doubt, even before the postseason started, you heard me say he should be National League MVP. I stand by that, man. And Juan Soto, who right now, bro, Juan Soto is the most hated Dude, Juan Soto's the most hated player right now. Go to Twitter right now and type in Juan Soto's name and just go to Latest Tweets and everyone's super mad at Juan Soto because Juan Soto is doing his best to psych, to psych pitchers out, bro. Like, psych! He's doing his thing right now. And what he's doing, man, is... When the pitcher's throwing at him, if it's a ball, he's, like, sort of, like, getting low and moving, like, some sort of, like, Valken, like, Demogorgon dude or whatever. Like, he's like a serpent in the batter's box where he's just like, ooh, what's up? And then he, like, grabs his cup and, like, readjusts his cup. Because he's like, I need to get in the pitcher's head. So I'm going to like get low and like move my body around like a snake. But at the same time, I need to adjust my cup so my genitalia feels comfortable. So if I could kill two birds with one stone right now and intimidate the pitcher and adjust my genitalia, I'm going to do it to make sure I'm comfortable and intimidating. And that's what he's doing right now. And Twitter hates him, man. Everyone is calling. Pardon my French. I'm about to say a cuss word. But the people on Twitter, they think that. Juan Soto is a douchebag and an asshole and people do not like it. They hate him right now. And I me personally, I think it's the best thing in the world because most baseball players are generally irrelevant anyway. It's like they're like Gary Vaynerchuk always says that Mike Trout isn't even as popular as the top Esports gaming guy, and he's probably 100% right because no one cares about Mike Schott. He may do good things, but it goes largely unnoticed in this day and age, unless you have some sort of big personality like Odell Beckham Jr. or whomever, right? You, you largely go unnoticed. So I don't have a problem with anything that Juan Soto's doing right now. One, because I think it brings personality to the game, right? As of late, you see that Major League Baseball has this postseason promotion of we play loud, and it's got the players doing these things like bat flips and hitting home runs and strutting around the bases, right? But we know, like, baseball players don't really play loud. There are a few there are a few players in the sport right now that have the guts to truly play loud, and those are guys like Yasiel Puig and right now, like what we're seeing in Juan Soto, and a lot of folks think that these guys are jerks, especially the teams they're going up against, which, hell— If the Nationals were playing the Cubs right now, I would absolutely be like, yo, Juan Soto's a jerk. But, like, I think that crap talking is an absolute good thing, right? I remember I listened to a podcast a long time ago, and they were interviewing John Cena. And they asked John Cena, like, hey, they were, listen, man, like, you're, like, a good guy. Like, you're the baby face of WWE, but, like, you come out on the stage and you get booed. How do you feel about that? And John Cena was like, listen, like, I enjoy that sort of thing because people boo me, and they, you know, they do it because they, um, you know, sometimes they'll boo me and laugh or smile or whatever because I'm the guy they like to boo. And to me, like, I think that's a good thing because if you're a professional athlete like John Cena or Juan Soto, if you, if nobody's talking about you and you come to the plate and you don't get obnoxiously cheered or obnoxiously booed, people don't really care about you and you're sort of irrelevant. But the way John Cena said it, he goes, listen, if I come out there and I'm getting really cheered because in some places I go, I get cheered. That's a great thing. People care about me. And likewise, if I come out and get really, really booed, it's because they like to boo me. It's because they care about me because I'm on their mind, right? Like I'm something to them. But John Cena said the worst thing that could happen and the reason why he doesn't care to get booed because John Cena knows that the worst thing to happen is you could come out to the crowd, whether it's to the plate or, you know, to the ring in WWE and nobody really cheers or boos and it's just sort of like mixed that's when things go bad because nobody cares, right? And so with the Juan Soto thing, like, I, I'm i pumped for Juan Soto, man, and I think it takes a lot of guts to do what he's doing because he knows it's not going to be well-received. Because if Major League Baseball players truly play loud, that's not going to be well-received because that's not what we want. That's not what baseball fans want, right? But the thing about it is, is, like, who really cares? You know, baseball is sort of like – a church with a bunch of 80 year old people in it, right? As soon as the 80 year old people die, then the church is going to die. You know what I'm saying? And it's like with baseball, man, you know, if all your fans are just all these old fogies and they die off, like baseball is going to lose fans. And so the reason why like, I applaud what Juan Soto's doing, man, because I think it brings personality to the game. And I think that it, it, it sets a path for other young players that come in to sort of do their own thing because I think baseball players are afraid to be themselves and to show any sort of emotion because that's not how you play baseball. It's sort of like wearing a suit and tie but having Chuck Taylors on at the same time, right? Like, yeah, like I see what you're trying to do, but like you're not really supposed to dress like that, do a job interview, you know what I mean? And. You know, Garrett Cole gave an interview today heading into his start tomorrow in Yankee Stadium, and it was the most boring interview in the whole world. He said, um, every other word, and couldn't have been more boring. Do you remember, like, you ever watched Ferris Bueller with the teacher's like, Bueller, 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 and he's just so monotone? That's how Garrett Cole gave an interview. He was like, I mean, um... It'll be good to pitch at Yankee Stadium. The Yankees, um, they are as advertised, and um, they put together great at bats. It was so boring. I look at the, I go to Baseball Reference right now and look at Garrett Cole's numbers. The guy struck out like 330 guys this year. How can someone that strikes out so many ball players? so ferociously with 99 mile an hour fastballs be so insufferable and boring and just like, oh my God. Yeah, he struck out 326 guys in 212 innings with a 250 ERA and 20 wins. Dude, like, he's the most unhittable pitcher. He throws 100 as a starter. How can you throw 100 and be so boring? If Garrett Cole had half the personality of me, he'd probably throw 105. He's, oh, my gosh, bro. It is horrendous. What's the most boring thing one could do in your life, right? Watch paint dry. Um, Get a colonoscopy. (laughs) I mean, like, um, I don't know. Like, go to the DMV. Um, I mean, like, just boring stuff, dude. Like, boring stuff. Right. Like, that's what he was like. It was literally like he was at a job interview for Walmart, dude. Like you ever go. Yeah, it's just like that. You ever go through checkout line and, you know, the cashiers on like on customer like 100 in the last 10 minutes. There's like, how's your day going? That's sort of like Garrett Cole giving an interview, man. So these guys got to bring more fun, dude. But honestly, if I was a major league baseball player, buddy, I don't know if I'd do it. Because you, dude, Juan Soto's hated right now. People are calling him douchebag and asshole all over the internet, and they think he's like a scumbag. They call him a scumbag on the internet. That's a lot for a dude to handle, right? But, I mean, whatever, dude. It's just like, why, why he. So Juan Soto walked his second at bat to Jack Flaherty, and Juan Soto and Jack Flaherty, um, Jack Flaherty struck Juan Soto out the first at bat. And obviously, Juan Soto started like to stare down in the movements that he was doing in the batter's box, right, to sort of intimidate Jack Flaherty. Because you know Juan Soto said a couple days ago that he'll even like take first pitch strikes and second pitch strikes, and he'll take strikes to sort of assert his confidence to the pitcher to let him know, hey, those might be good pitches, and I might be down zero two, but I don't really care, man. You know what I mean? Because he's trying to intimidate that pitcher, and then so. He was trying to intimidate Jack Flaherty, you know, staring at him, doing his movements. And then Jack Flaherty struck him out. Then Jack Flaherty gave him a look on the way to the dugout. Juan Soto was looking at him like, this is okay, man. This is competition. They're staring each other down. Great. This is competition. This is the NLCS. If these are my guys on my team, I want them staring folks down. I want them intimidating the pitchers, bro. This ain't a public library where you got to be quiet with your library card to try to find the newest R.L. Stein Goosebumps book, man. We're in it to compete, bro. This is the highest level of baseball competition in the whole entire world. Can we not stare each other down, right? Second at-bat comes. Juan Soto walks. There were some stare-downs going during that at-bat, too. Juan Soto walks. Juan Soto stares Jack Flaherty down, going to first base. He's trying to assert himself because at the end of the day, Jack Flaherty's throwing 98 miles an hour trying to deceive him with the best stuff he has, and Juan Soto needs to gain an edge because there's a World Series title on the line here. A World Series title. Juan Soto would be an idiot not to do everything he could to gain an advantage on the pitcher. Tell me this: in this day and age, people steal signs. I do not, and we had this big ordeal about sign stealing. Right now, it's going on with the Astros. Are they stealing signs from the Yankees? Are they stealing sign? Were they stealing signs from the Tampa Bay Rays? Right, we don't know. Personally, sign stealing is not cheating. I do not believe sign-stealing is cheating. Neither do David Ortiz and Alex Rodriguez and Frank Thomas because they said so on Fox Sports Network, right? Because I have no other life other than watch baseball. And I don't think it's stealing because I think it's strategy, right? Because at the end of the day, the pitcher is trying to deceive the hitter and the hitter needs to try to figure out what he's pitching. So you steal those signs. If you can get a read on those signs, steal those signs. That just adds to the level of competition and let you know that, hey, you need to maybe do better signs right now, right? So I don't consider sign-stealing cheating. You know, essentially, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? And that's the thing. Because what, what is it like, dude? Like, I'm trying to steal signs from the pitcher to trying to figure out what they're throwing me. But, you know, like curveballs and sliders and all that stuff got started from pitchers deceiving hitters, right? So, like, you're trying to deceive me. I'm going to try to figure out what you're doing. And if I can look at a screen or have my second baseman guy, like, relay stuff or see if you're tipping your pitches with your glove... I'm about to try to get any read on that you can and I think that just goes into strategy of the game and if you can utilize modern technology to steal signs I think you need to do it and I think it's on the pitcher and the catcher to further encrypt their signs like if they need to you know communicate through hieroglyphics I say do it man let it rip and I don't even remember what was going at this point bro do I ever shut up holy good lord man what was I talking about? Sign stealing, and then I was talking about. What was I talking Dude, this is embarrassing. Well, here's the thing. I don't think sign stealing. I don't think sign stealing is cheating at all. You know what I mean? Um, what was I talking about? I was talking about Garrett Cole being boring. Holy crap. Woo. <laughs> That's right. Watch Soto. Ooh, I legit forgot what I was talking about, man. God, I need a script or something, dude. <laughs> Ah, uh, Juan Soto, man. So, like, if if people can steal signs, why can't Juan Soto try to intimidate a pitcher by staring him down and gain an advantage? Is it only for the pitcher to deceive the hitter with signals, with uh, fancy pitches? Can the hitter not stare him down a little bit, bro? This is the highest level of competition, and it's fine that people on Twitter get super pissed about it, but I don't know. If they're mad in a good way, like the John Cena booing in a good way, or if they like legit hate Juan Soto and might not tune into his games anymore, because honestly, people that get mad about it, I think they're 100% wrong. Again, this is the highest level of competition. Sometimes I'll watch baseball and I'm like, bro, I've been more competitive in a cornhole tournament at work than a lot of these players look like on a diamond, man. So let Juan Soto go, man. Do your thing, young Thundercat. Let's go. Boom, boom, boom. Next, next on. What do I got next here, man? Oh, listen. So, th- th- speaking though of um postseason baseball, man. I said on the last episode I recorded that there was possibly rumors that the baseball might be a little different because Major League Baseball might not want a juiced ball to decide a pivotal division series, championship series, or World Series game. Well, as it turns out the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team they're doing some data, and they're pretty good at doing their data. And Mike Schilt said that the St. Louis Cardinals data team has reported that baseballs are traveling four and a half fewer feet on average than during the regular season. Which means a ball hit the same average exit, the same, start over, with a ball being hit the exact same exit velocity with the exact same launch angle during the regular season and then during the postseason is... Traveling four and a half feet less in the postseason than it did in the regular season. And on top of that, that seems like, um, hold on, four and a half feet, first and foremost, is very significant. That is a very significant number because there's a guy named Rob Arthur who studied it as well. And he said that the chances of this happening, the probability that a random selection of games, from the rest of the regular season would feature as much air resistance as we've seen this postseason is about 1 in a 1,000 because right now the baseballs have more air resistance in the postseason than they did in the regular season. And what Rob Arthur saying is if you were to take any stretch of the regular season, any stretch of 5 games, 10 games, 20 games, and find any stretch that where the baseball had as much air resistance as it does now, those chances will be 1 in a 1,000. And on top of that, he estimated – that additional 24 home runs would have been hit during this postseason had the ball had the same air resistance in the regular season that it did the postseason. So this postseason, there, we've seen 24 less home runs than we should based on what we've seen in 2019 with exit velocities matched with launch angles because the balls aren't being hit as far. So we there's hard evidence that the ball's traveling less and we're seeing less home runs because of it. There have been... Um, at the point of this article, which was written October 12th, so it was two days ago, 43 home runs had been hit, but additional 24 should have been hit based on the measurements that we've that have, have manifested themselves during the regular season, right? This is a weird situation. Even Dave Martinez, Nationals manager, said that he didn't tell about any studies or data that the Washington Nationals had, but he did say that he's playing his defense differently because the Washington Nationals know and have accepted the ball isn't traveling as far, so they're playing their defense different. That is some interesting stuff. And I bring this up because what makes it interesting is Rob Manfred has claimed to not know and not request any baseballs to be changed, which we all know. I've talked about this on the podcast before. And I am your number one source for baseball information. Don't act like I'm not. And, (laughs) oh, oh, boy. And all of a sudden, since the postseason starts, the balls are different now. What in the hell is going on? And a lot of folks, like on MLB Network, will say, listen, These baseballs should 100% be the same because all they do is put a special stamp on the ball for the Division, Championship Series, and World Series, right? But we know that's not true because in the 2017 World Series, the baseballs were so different. Guys like Ken Giles and Hugh Darvish, their sliders were garbage, and Justin Verlander said the ball was so slick, he couldn't even sign it. He said it was like signing a Starbucks receipt, you know? Like when you go to get a pumpkin spice latte and you got that slick receipt that you're trying to write on the table and it won't write right? Yeah, that's right. So, something's fishy. Something's fishy with these baseballs, man. I don't know what it is. I, I I assume... I've always thought, man, that Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball, they want to expunge, expel, get rid of Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa having their home run records be the records, and they want these new young Thundercats to do it. I can't say I don't blame them. I think it's the wrong way to do it. I think if baseball you know, a lot of baseball's decrease in significance in, you know, American pop culture is the fact that it relied so much on its records for so long. And then when those records were broken, well, things weren't the same anymore, right? The A lot of the big story was gone. Like Like, for example, I've said that I don't like the Cubs as much as I used to since they've won a World Series because a lot of that storyline, man, is gone, right? It's like, You know, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was really good, but then the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was pretty good, but, like, you know, we already saw, like, you know, Master Splinter throw Shredder off the building and into the dumpster, so it's just like, man, I don't know, like, the second time around, Tokar and Razor, I'm just in Super Shredder, I'm like, "Eh, it's okay. And that's sort of what it is with the Cubs win the World Series. Like, I like the sequel, but I like the original storyline better. And that's sort of what it is with Major League Baseball and, you know, all their records. You know, batting 400, hitting streaks, home run records, Babe Ruth, Roger Maris, Hank Aaron, and all these sort of things, right? And at some point, if Barry Bonds didn't break those records, someone was going to break those records. Maybe they never got broken. I don't know. Do I blame Rob Manfred for doing it? The only thing about Robbie Manfred that he should have done is just announced it, right? And I think where people feel slighted by the situation is they feel like all oh, this has been done in secret and the baseballs have been adjusted in secret. And that's sort of a crock of crap if you're a Major League Baseball player or if you're a pitcher that's been affected by it, which I believe a lot of folks have. I mean, who's to say Clayton Kershaw hasn't been affected by it? Right, because his regular season stats aren't as good anymore. I know his velocity is down, but when the ball changes and it's harder and slicker, and the seams are different and they're a little flatter, right? That's that's crazy different. Like even this season in the minor leagues, the minor leagues started using major league baseballs, and home runs started to fly out of the park. But you know, like f- I think four or five years ago, the NCAA they announced they were changing their balls, and everything was sort of fine, man. And it's like if you know the NBA. You know, I think they did. They bring the three point in like the NBA either made the three point line closer. I think did they not or did they pull it out a little further? They did something to the three point line. and It changed the game a little bit. And I think that's totally fine if you announce it. But, you know, in this day and age, man, people just want something to gripe about. And if you're going to change the game and not say anything to anybody, including your players, things aren't going to go good for you in that aspect, you know? I don't know what else to say about it, man. I think that's really just where they did wrong. If I think if Rob Manfred wanted to change the baseballs, I think that that could have been done in the sense of saying, hey, you know, we want to make baseball more exciting and we're thinking about changing the baseballs a little bit because we want to see more offense because we want to engage our fans more. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Nor do I think that's a fix to the problem. I've always thought the fix to the problem is marketing. And I think Major League Baseball is getting there with the MLB Loud campaign. As long as guys like Juan Soto and Tim Anderson don't get hit in the face with a baseball from someone that's bitter. But I swear to God, I think guys like Juan Soto and Tim Chapman—Tim Anderson, sorry— Tim Anderson and Juan Soto should get bonuses from Major League Baseball for doing stuff like this, man, because they're really putting themselves out there, and they're being hated by other players and fans, but then I think there are a lot of fans that'll really dig it, man. I think guys like Tim Anderson being an African-American male is a huge role model to Major League Baseball and kids in general, and I dig it, man. Sort of the same for Juan Soto, man, and really Bryce Harper as well, dude, and I think Bryce Harper could stand to make baseball a little more funner and, you know, go even further out there. I hope he does it next year. I wish Mike Trout had half the personality of a brick wall. That would help his appeal to everybody. Uh, I wonder I wonder what else I should talk about next. Uh, yeah, I think I'll stop there. This is um, top of the seventh. Washington National 7, Cardinals nothing. Two on, none out in the top of the seventh for the Cardinals. So I'm going to end this at 30 minutes. I'm going to watch the rest of this game. I'll record hopefully tomorrow, man. So until next time, thank you for listening. Oh, hold on. I was going to tell you guys. I don't tell you guys enough about my social media and where you guys can find me at. So if you found this podcast via my social media, that's great. But I've got let me get my phone out to you. If you have an Instagram, you should you should go to greatest show on dirt at greatest show on dirt. That's my Instagram. You can go there and I post stuff and I post cool stuff. I think it's pretty fun. If you have a Facebook account, man, and you know, you've got like your grandma on there and stuff like that, because you know, old folks have Facebook now. And you can also talk to your grandma on Facebook. And you can talk to me on Facebook. And if you find me on Facebook, I think it's at Greatest on Dirt. Or oh, if you just type in Greatest on Dirt, you should find me. And then I got a Twitter account too. And my Twitter account is, oh, hold up here. My Twitter account is Greatest on Dirt. You can find me on Twitter at Greatest on Dirt. I post cool stuff. Find me there, man. Thanks for listening. Until then, later, Gators. See you next time.